Good to have you with us. Really good to have you. So we're in this series, uh, Walking with Mark. Uh, we've got our first slide. Just uh, if you haven't already caught on that we're walking with Mark. Well, sorry, walking with Jesus through Mark's gospel. So the whole of the summer, uh, not something I think we, we might have done as a church family for a little while, actually spend as long in one series, but we're going to go right the way through Mark's gospel. And uh, as Gareth was encouraging last week, another one of our team here, if you're new to us, Gareth was encouraging to read yourself through the gospel of, of Mark. It's the shortest of the four accounts of Jesus' life. So uh, it's perfectly, perfectly readable in maybe only just one session or certainly a couple of sessions. And there's on the bookstore various resources that um, we'd love you to think about taking and buying and, and using as a, uh, something to help you. There's this book by Tom Wright, Mark for Everyone, which uh, will take you a bit deeper if you want to go deeper, but in a, in a lovely way, a really accessible way. Uh, Tom Wright's a really accessible theologian, a, a thinker about God, and, uh, and that book is a great book to, to use. And the other one, we've got uh, copies of, of this. Um, it's Mark's Gospel uh, with journaling pages. So it's a, a prayer journal conversation with God, as it says on the front. So um, lots of us know that using journaling, writing down our thoughts, our reflections, seeing how God takes us on a journey through something, uh, that's something that, that can be so much a part of being a Christian, part of helping us to, be, to grow as followers. And um, this is a, a way of doing that in a structured way. Maybe you've got a journaling Bible already, um, but if you don't have why not think about grabbing one of these and see where God takes you? We're right the way through May, through June, most of July. So we're in this journey for quite a long time. What will God do with you over the next eight, ten weeks or so? And using that journal might be a great, great thing to do. So today I'm talking about, about following um, I, I, I gather this is true. I mean, the person who told me it, I believed him. When I was working in a, in a firm uh, before coming into ministry, one of the directors of, of the firm was a lovely guy uh, who, um, his family were in Ireland, were based in Ireland. And um, he tells the story about uh, following, finding himself on a road, a country road in Ireland, and uh, realises he's at the back of a very, very, very long queue of traffic. It's moving incredibly slowly. And he comes to realise that actually what he's following, he and two other carfuls of guys who are on their way to a bit of a fun event, is a funeral cortege, you know, is that the right word? Cortege. Cortege. Sorry, I sometimes say things with a French accent as, uh, as I do. Cortege. But a cortege. And uh, they're going to be late. So, so Mark, in his car, and the two, he, he's got to do something about this. So he starts to overtake cars in the procession of cars. So he zips out and in. And they're all doing this, zipping in and out through, through this, this slow-moving procession. And they come to a T-junction. And great news, the hearse goes left, and Mark and his car wants to go right. So he turns right and goes right. And puts his foot down open road, looks in his mirror and realises that half of the funeral cars are now following him. <laughs> We're talking this morning 
about, uh, about following Jesus. And uh, let's, let's read together this bit from, from Mark's Gospel. Open your Bibles, switch on. Words will be up on the screens as well. Mark chapter 1, and just reading from verse 14. And uh, let's let ourselves delve into, into Mark's Gospel this morning. I just want to say straight off that um, the word I had the Lord give to me before, before the, the celebration this morning was the word surrender. And I, I didn't know, of course, the, the testimony that was just about to be, you know, was going to be given just a few minutes ago uh, with that word surrender. And I actually didn't know also, because our way of doing things, I didn't know the songs that we were going to sing. And I'm absolutely sure that the Lord wants to speak to us about, about surrendering to, to Jesus. So can we read these words with that sort of in our hearts already? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. As my little story about following a set of cars indicates, we have choice. Tim said that earlier. Tim rightly said, God doesn't force himself upon us, doesn't make us. We don't worship a kind of Darth Vader kind of God to whom we have to kneel. We worship a God who calls us into relationship with him through love. And he does call us to surrender and there is choice. And I just want to be clear this morning straight off. That's where we're going to land in, a, in, in some minutes time. We're going to land with the question about choice and the question about surrender. And I, I'm saying that to anyone here today. You know, if you're, you know about God, you know about Jesus, but you're not yet surrendered to him. I'm going to have to come back to that word because it's, a, it's a, an unfashionable word, isn't it? But I'll come back to it. But that's the truth. That's where you are. That's not language or even a kind of way of thinking that you would use about yourself. You're not surrendered to Jesus and following Jesus. And then I'm saying it to those of us who've been on the journey a little while. I'm saying it to us as a, a church family right now that has so many times, as we've heard in testimony this morning, placed itself before God. But as we read a really familiar passage, as we hear familiar words about following, I've got that question I think God wants to ask this morning about being surrendered. 
There's, uh, in this passage, there's uh, an incredible sense of urgency. It's one of the, the characteristics of, of Mark's gospel. Uh, Mark is really clear that there are seismic events that have been set into, into motion. After Jesus was put in prison, now that the Greek there is handed over, and it, it doesn't mean just handed over for arrest. It's handed over in the sense of the whole of him is, is given. It's, a, it's the same verb that's going to be used about Jesus being handed over to be crucified. It's a deliberate connection that Mark is making at the beginning of this gospel with the cross and the death of Jesus. As one commentator has said, the, the cross of Jesus Christ looms like a, a shadow over the whole of Mark's gospel. And here it is, right at the very beginning. And, and Mark summarises Jesus' teaching and the, the form of words that he uses, as Gareth was saying last week, the form of words that he uses assures us that this is an eyewitness account. This is a reflection very directly of Jesus speaking. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, ne next week, we're going to talk about what the kingdom really means. And we're going to go into it in greater depth. But for those of us, I'm sure, who have been on the journey a while, but also if you're fresh to this, the kingdom of God is God's right rule over your life and over all things. God's right rule is a way of thinking about the kingdom of God. And when, when Mark uses near, when the, it talks about being near, again, I'm not going to go into that this week, but some people debate, does that mean it's near as in it's not yet, or is it near as here it is? And the shorthand answer is it's both. It's both. The essence of Jesus' teaching was that good news, events have been set in motion Seismic, cosmic events have been set in motion. And the kingdom of heaven, yes, is something that is coming into being and its fullness will not yet be seen. But it's near in the sense that it's right here with us now. The time has come. The, 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 the Greek behind that phrase is not of chronos time hours and minutes, but kairos, time. A moment in time that is, is pregnant with expectation. When I got married nearly 30 years ago, I got into trouble immediately, seconds after I was married because I looked at my watch And my darling wife thought I was bothered about the schedule that we were on. But the truth is, I wanted to know the moment that I got married. Our day was being driven by chronos time to a degree. But for me, it was a kairos moment. And I wanted to know. 
And Mark wants us to know that with the coming of Jesus, this is, this is God's version of history. Before Jesus, the law and the prophets, and then the coming of Jesus is the, the center point of human history, and all things now unfold. Mark wants us to know when he speaks about the kingdom, and as I've said, it will be explored more fully as we go through the series, as we have sung, that in following Jesus, everything is given. Everything is given. Again, I didn't know that we were going to sing in the way that we've sung this morning or that Tim was going to say that things that Tim has said. But God did. God has already, in our time together in this celebration, been saying, in Jesus, everything, everything is given. God clearly states to us, that we are to have no other gods before him. And there's there's an urgency that that Mark wants us to get. This is why he goes straight from from talking about uh, verse 15, the the message, the essential message of Jesus, that the, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then straight into the second part of this short little passage from Mark for men about their daily business who hear the call to follow and immediately do so. It's immediate. There's no time to lose. What what has happened in John the Baptist and then what has happened in the proclamation by Jesus has an urgency to it. God's prior action now demands our response. And it's costly. It's costly, isn't it? There's walking away from your, from your living. There's, there's truly putting your trust in God, in following Jesus for all of how you're going to be provided for. They didn't have time to to pack a bag. They They didn't have time to put some energy bars or some energy fish into their sackcloth. They left families. They left friends. Mark paints the picture so starkly for us to for us to reflect what does it mean to say that we are following Jesus what does it mean to really say that many of us will talk in that language i'm a follower of Jesus Christ what is following We can follow fashion, clearly I don't. We can follow Twitter. We can follow football teams. I'm still trying, still doing that, despite this season. 
who or what we follow in the way that we're using it when we talk about being a follower of Jesus is who or what shapes our lives. We all, we all follow in different ways. We've, we follow uh, career paths. We, we follow our family's way of doing things, our culture. We, we follow our friends' ways of doing things. We, we follow even a church's way of doing things. We are maybe influenced by popular culture. We're even now singing that Israeli entry into the Eurovision Song Contest and thinking in dressing in that particular way or not. We all follow, we are all shaped by. And so to be a follower of Jesus is to choose to have your life shaped entirely by him. That's the, that's the picture that Mark gives us of this immediacy of the response to Jesus' invitation to walk with him. And that's an important point, isn't it? When Richard Dawkins or other aggressive atheists speak about our faith and what they don't like about it, they're often not speaking about our faith. They often speak about religious faith as a, an intellectual mindset. That's not our faith. Our faith is walking with Jesus. Our faith is the daily steps that we take. Our faith is a verb and not just simply a noun. It's what we do and how we live. It's how I'm shaped. And so when Tim rightly makes a, a comment about our wallets, we all just smile a little bit, but we also get squeaky bum time because what does my bank account say about my following? What does my diary say about my following? What does my response and my attitude, and I say this because I have to so often say sorry to Nikki, what does my response and my attitude to times of stress say about my following? Am I surrendered to Jesus? See, Jesus cannot be one voice amongst a number of voices. We're taught to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Repentance, many of us know, repentance speaks about direction of life, doesn't it? 
Repentance is that word in the Bible, if you've not come across it before, which speaks about being headed in one direction in life and then choosing to direct your life to walk with God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a word about cost. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The words of Mark 8:34, Andrew, if we can just put those up, please. Thank you. See, when I looked at my watch, and I, I know this is for some of us, as we've just heard from that testimony, is, is something that would spark a sense of pain. But we also know what it should be like. When I looked at my watch, having just been married to Nikki, I was looking at my watch, having just made my vows. And my vows were not a thing of contract. My vows were not, if you do this, then I will do this. If you are like this, then I will be like this. My vows were for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Not if richer, not if poorer, not if better, not if worse, but when. But when. That's what life is like. I will remain surrendered to you, Nikki. That's the awesome nature of the vows that are made in a wedding. And that's why it is such a tearing and shocking and terrible thing when they are broken. And I wanted to look at my watch to see when a new period of time was beginning in my life. And the Bible gives this as a picture for our relationship with Jesus. So many of us, so many of us, spend our time in our faith with a sense of highs and lows how many times when things are hard when I'm facing a cross moment do I do I say to myself and I think to myself and I even pray God get me out of this get me back onto the top of a mountain I lack consistency of faith and of surrender I I get fooled and deceived into believing that, well, there must be just something slightly wrong that I'm doing that's causing me to have to go through this really troubled time. Because being a follower of Jesus is about tops of mountains, isn't it? But of course, it isn't. Being a follower of Jesus is walking with Jesus through the whole of life. And we have heard that testified this morning already. We've heard it as Tim encouraged us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in China. 
allow me just to paint the picture in its perverse way to make the point. Would any of us think that our sisters and our brothers in China are somehow worse Christians than we are because they're being persecuted? Absolutely not. And if I may just continue to use it just a tiny bit longer. Jesus says, come and follow me. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. Do you choose to love and obey me through all of life? We don't like this word surrender. We don't like the thought of submit. Because within us wells up pride, wells up a sense of of self. Not because God, it's not because God doesn't love us and really value who we are that he calls us to surrender and to submit. But he knows that in surrendering and in submitting, we will become who we are made to be. In Jesus, everything is given. And in following Jesus, everything is demanded. If we can just put that up, Andrew, please. You able to find that slide? In Jesus, following Jesus, everything is given. In Jesus, everything is demanded. And then there's the last line. In everything, Jesus is possible. These first disciples were really imperfect people. They were really flawed in so many different ways. Friends, they were just like you and just like me. How on earth can we respond to this call from Jesus to immediately give up all things and to follow in every part of our lives? Well, the answer is the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave his disciples the secret to faithfully following him. But at the time, they didn't recognize it. In Mark 13, we're going to read later in the series. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what is given you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is the presence of God with us. He is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that all who walk with him are never walking alone. In the power of God, in the presence and comfort of the Holy Spirit, we're able to face the challenges of life, the realities of life that will be both times of the valley of the shadow of death and also times of mountainsides and hilltops. 
And the Holy Spirit is our guide. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Jesus promises in John 14, 26. In following Jesus, everything is given to us by God. In following Jesus, everything is necessary in our response. In following Jesus, everything is possible. It's a daily choice for the whole of our lives. Is it a choice that you're truly making? That we are making as a church family? Our vision has three elements to it. And there is a sense of order about them. If we want to look to places of planting in our own lives and places of planting out in new mission ways as a church family, if we want to partner with each other in a gospel way, in a kingdom way, if we want to be the kind of healthy community that God calls us to, it starts with our positioning before God. And our senses, wonderful, lovely, beautiful family of Trinity Cheltenham, that there is more to surrender. There is deeper to go. That is our sense. Spirit as comfort. Spirit as guide. Spirit who brings freedom. Spirit who reminds us of God's promises. Spirit who gives us courage and strength for all the challenges we will face. Spirit. Spirit. Jesus with us. We all follow. We're all shaped by various forces, voices. Is Jesus' voice through the Holy Spirit? the one that we're going to choose to listen to. Andrew, could you put slide 11 up for me, please? These are questions that we're asking around our, our vision as a church family, around positioning, around partnering, and around planting wherever we are, in our homes, in our schools, in our businesses, in our communities? Are we growing in spiritual maturity as the body of Christ, as part of the body of Christ? That's a question about where we are with our following. 
Are we becoming more like Jesus in our words and our deeds? Are we joining in with Jesus' ministry? Are we doing the things that Jesus did? And are we impacting on others in a way which causes them to also want to follow him? Those are questions for us. I believe we need to keep coming back to as a church family. But they're questions for each one of us to be asking. As we journey through Mark together. If you're able to, would you like to stand, please? So shall we, shall we enjoy this last part of our, our worship together? Shall we enjoy the gift of time? The gift of some more space? invite you to to open yourselves now to to what God wants to say to his voice you've heard plenty of my voice let's spend a moment or two really deeply listening listening for God's voice where do you hear him asking Where do you hear him asking, come, follow me? Where do you sense there is urgency in your response? Where do you sense the call to surrender and submit your ways to the Lord? Holy Spirit, come, speak. Your people are listening.
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come, please? Wherever there might be places in our lives where we've not surrendered fully, any places where we have a lack of urgency, any places where we have a lack of faith, Any places where we have been influenced by others. Perhaps in ways where we've been hurt by others. Any places, Lord, where we've been offered something that might be deceptive to us. It might look like security. It might look like hope. But it is a deception. It's not you. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you help us to focus, to surrender to you, Jesus, fully and completely? both individually and as a church. Surrender to you, Jesus.